This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey guys, this is Alex, or as we call him here in the basement, self-identified listener number three. <laughs> and what's funny is when I'm not stacking Benjamins, I'm usually counting gold in my Los Angeles bunker, maybe buying a new van for the missus. Sometimes I call my significant other and tell them to stop tracking the time it takes to manage our rental empire, such as in 15-minute increments, so that I can jet set from Hawaii to the middle U.S. on a budget airliner to get one hell of a deal on a new car to drive back to Vegas, just in time to tell my best friend about the trip to Vietnam that my family and I went on. Did I mention I went to Vietnam? <laughs> what? Duck? Doug, get out of here. You're ruining the intro. Gotta go. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and hear ye, hear ye, happy, happy birthday to our namesake, the amazing Benjamin Franklin. You know, when Ben was 20 years old, he made a list of 13 virtues, and I'm proud to say that I follow at least three of them. While we don't know the point of temperance or silence around here, who needs those when you have a sizzler around the corner and a hot mic right here? Today, we're going to teach the value of frugality. What happens when you walk away from a six-figure job? We'll tackle that today with the founder of the Economy Conference coming this spring, Diana Miriam. Plus, from this show, OG. And from LenPenzo.com, it's Tara Lipinski. Nah, she'd skate circles around us all, so we're just going to go with old Len. Ah, but that's not all. On today's FinTech Friday, we're launching a new course. Here to share with you the secrets of making money easy, Joe will talk to his co-developer, Belinda Rosenblum. Of course, we'll still have time for our amazing trivia challenge and magnify a listener's money. And now, the guy who will go on and on and on and on and on about the only two virtues he follows, Joe Salcihai. those two virtues are podcasting and kicking off your weekend yes sir i'm all about it welcome to friday everybody i am joe salcy hi average joe money on twitter and across the card table from me ready to kick off this weekend it's my good friend og i thought you were going to say one of your virtues is being on time <laughs> it probably that's that's the one we're working on we, we put it and right well prepared yes it's it is fan i am i am very prepared very pre- let's put it this way if i wasn't prepared we wouldn't have a podcast because I've been working with you for how long? At least a week and a half. <laughs> At least, a <laughs> and you're about to give your two weeks notice, right? Since since Tuesday. <laughs> and you here, can't get rid of me that easily. Sorry, dude. <laughs> another guy who wonders how he can get rid of us deep under Los Angeles. 
on his shortwave in his bunker, it's Mr. Len Penzo. How are you, man? Dude, I am great, and I had no idea it was uh, Ben's birthday this month. Is that's, it? Uh, that's really cool. Not even this month. Today. 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 You nailed it. How do you do that, Joe? Yes. How did you? How do you manage to do that? We have this weird, weird thing we use to look up crazy dates. Most people, most people just watch cat videos. We actually, from time to time, use it. Use the Googler uh, for a thing or two. So, how are you cool. celebrating Ben Franklin's birthday, Len? Uh, I'm celebrating it with a cold, frosty one right now. Here's to you. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. You know what Ben Franklin be saying if he were alive right now, Len? No, I don't, Joe. Tell me, what would he be saying? Let me out of this coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you got Prince Albert in a can? Worst, worst, worst dad joke ever. And wondering what she's doing here, taking a break from uh, prepping for this incredible conference coming at the beginning of March to Cincinnati. It's our good friend, Diana Merriam. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You, you got to endure like four minutes of dad jokes there before we introduced you. How about that? <laughs> it was great. Loved it. How are you celebrating Ben Franklin's birthday? With you guys. Well, there you how go. Else, how else do you celebrate? Shaw, that's the fantastic. So what you're drinking, Len, is that a Sam Adams? No, it's a Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Adams is way upscale for lead. <laughs> no, th this is a blue moon. A blue. Yeah, this oh, is my, okay. I, this is what I have a tradition at my house. It's actually a, in the fall and uh, winter. It's always blue moon. And then in spring and summer, it's always a Mexican beer. All right. A little Pacifico coming down range in a couple weeks. Sometimes I mix, mix right. it up. Pacifico, Modelo, uh, Dos Equis. Yep. You know what tradition we have here on the podcast, Diana? Tell me. Right now, our tradition is that we always say, thanks to Lightstream for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash SB. Didn't know we had that tradition, did you? I had no idea you were about to walk me right into an ad. <laughs> fantastic. Well, let's do another. Seamless. Let's, let's do another ad. Let's talk about the Economy Conference because we're getting close to this thing. Can you believe it? So the Economy Conference, it's less than two months away now, March 7th, 2020. It's basically like the TED Talks of the FIRE movement. So it's a full day event at the University of Cincinnati. We're going to have two sessions of provocative speakers exploring this concept of a new American dream through financial independence. Um, we're also screening the documentary Playing with Fire. And we're going to close it all out with a rockin' after party. So I am so excited. I've been planning this for like a year and a half and it's going to be awesome. I was going to say, you have to be ready for, at this point for it to just go, I would imagine. Oh yeah. All systems go. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a fantastic lineup of speakers for your, your talks. I want to go back to the beginning of this. When you first created this seed like, tell me where you were and what you were thinking when you go, you know what? I want to have TED Talks here in Cincinnati. Well, I go to a lot of events myself, professionally and personally. So there's this one event. Have you heard of the World Domination Summit? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And next year, actually this year now, is their last year. But I've gone the last three years in a row and I just absolutely love that event. Every time I go, I'm so inspired. And so seeing how much the fire movement has changed my life, 
I thought, could I create an event like this that would make other people feel the way that I feel when I leave WDS? I've also been to Camp Mustache and Camp Fi. Like, there are so many blogs and wonderful podcasts like yours and books out there, but I do see a white space in events. So I thought, hey, it's a little bit crazy to try to get 700 people in a room, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to happen. That's so, I mean, it's so exciting. You go to the economy, it's E-C-O-N-O-M-E conference.com website, right? Absolutely. Awesome. You know, I, I love whips and chains. Where is this world dominatrix concert? Conference? <laughs> That's that's the other conference. I don't think and Diana Joe, went to that one. Out. You've been going to this thing. <laughs> I, you haven't been telling I me. didn't say I've gone anywhere. Before Len completely derails us, it's time to get this show started. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our piece today that we're about to discuss comes to us from every single dollar. Jessica Garbarino, our friend Jessica, wrote this, and our thoughts go out to her because she just lost her grandma, and we were hoping that she'd be able to read it. Obviously, she has uh, other things on her mind right now. So filling in is our friend from the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, Mindy Jensen's going to read us why I walked away from a six-figure job. Why I walked away from a six-figure job. I had worked all my life for this. The hours of studying, the long hours at work, dealing and putting up with all sorts of personalities. And for some reason, I decided to walk away from the permanent corporate job life, at least for now. Some people thought I was crazy. Why would I leave a six-figure job with full benefits and paid vacation? But to most of my family and friends who know me well, it wasn't a shock. I had expressed my unhappiness over the years at a dream that was no longer coming to fruition. So I made the bold decision to walk away with my two weeks notice, of course, with no other permanent job lined up. I know it's something that a lot of people dream of doing, but it took careful planning and preparation along the way. I didn't just wake up and decide to quit. So if you're thinking of taking the same course of action, here are reasons I had to consider when deciding to leave my job. My health was starting to suffer. Stress-related illnesses are a real thing. Working in a high-stress environment can take a toll on your body and your mind. Throw in a chronic illness that flares up under stress, and you have a recipe for disaster. With my autoimmune illness, Hashimoto thyroiditis, additional external stress can severely limit the amount of the already limited energy you have to get through the day. The stress level at work was causing me a lot of inflammation pain throughout my body, tension headaches, increased fatigue, and even hives. I knew that if I stayed much longer, I would be in serious trouble with my health. Having left, I am no longer dealing with those symptoms, and I can focus on taking care of my body to make sure I'm operating at my optimum level. The trade-offs of having a corporate job versus freelancing were not worth it to me. For many people, the idea of a steady paycheck, paid vacation, health care, and other employee benefits are appealing, but then you get laid off or you watch your colleagues get laid off. Benefits start getting reduced or becoming more expensive. Pay increase freezes. Not being able to take the 15 precious days of PTO, typical for many U.S. employees who have been at a job less than five years, when you want to. Or worse, being on call during your vacation and having to wave your family on ahead while you deal with an issue. Over the years, I have watched corporate jobs become less and less appealing based on what I've experienced. I would rather bear more of the cost, especially healthcare in return for flexibility and control. It's not that you necessarily work less hours. It's that you are able to work how and when you want to. 
I am not cut out for the traditional corporate world. All my life, I have just wanted to fit in and blend, not stick out or rock the boat. But as I reflect on my life so far, I realize how I have always marched to the beat of my own drum. As much as I have always wanted to fit in, I also seem to have a knack for doing things my own way. I tried being part of a corporate life and fitting into the standards, but found it less than rewarding for me. I was constantly switching companies before it became acceptable to do so to have a better fit for me. In the end, I realize that it's me that doesn't fit in. My life goals have changed. When I first started my career back in 1999, I had visions of climbing the corporate ladder and being in the top of my field, accounting. But so much happened in the world with respect to accounting and business over that time. Tech bust, Enron, the fall of Arthur Anderson, the introduction of Sarbanes-Oxley, the financial crisis of 2008, healthcare, need I say more? Amazon's effect on how we do, well, everything. The landscape has changed dramatically in ways we couldn't have predicted. Now that I'm in my 40s, my priorities have refocused and become laser clear. I want to be able to spend more time with my friends and family. I want to be able to have the freedom to pick and choose the projects I want to work on that are meaningful to me and not someone else's agenda. I want my life to be focused on serving others and making a difference in this world. These are all the things I have valued my entire life. It's just that now I know what I need to do in order to live my life through this lens. I had set up myself financially so that walking away was feasible. Walking away from a job is something that I couldn't have fathomed a decade ago. I was deep into debt, little savings, and struggling to pay my monthly bills. Then I had a come-to-Jesus moment that meant I needed to decide if I was going to keep living the way everyone else does, or if I was ready and willing to make a change that would pay off in the future. My now-future self thanks me for making the latter decision. After struggling through job loss, foreclosure, and finally becoming 100% debt-free, I was able to put myself in a position that allowed me to have options. The ability to choose whether or not I wanted to live in a high cost of living area. The ability to pay for things with cash and being able to sleep at night, knowing those purchases weren't being increased with interest. And the ability to walk away from a job and a career that was not right for me without being trapped with financial obligation. Getting my finances in order was the only way that I was able to make that decision with confidence and without worry. Did I write this post as a way to pat myself on the back? No. Am I saying that everyone should just pack up their corporate jobs and become freelancers and entrepreneurs? Certainly not. What do I hope that you get out of my story is that taking the time and the effort to work on your financial life is worth it in the end. It can allow you options beyond your wildest dreams. It can literally change your life. All you have to do is take the first step one dollar at a time. Big thanks to Mindy for kicking this off. Diane, I want to start with you because you didn't leave a six-figure job. You kept your six-figure job, but, yeah. wa but walked away it, from high that, expenses. So when I read this, I thought you must have hit the, picked this article for me because I felt like I could have written this four or five years ago. I mean, a couple things stood out. Of course, you know, if your job is really that stressful that it's affecting your health the way that it sounds like it was affecting hers... I mean, of course, like what's the point of having money if if you're not able to enjoy it or if other important areas of your life are really suffering? But one of the things that stood out to me since being in this situation was 
really questioning, is it the job that's stressing you out this much or is it a lack of coping skills with stress? Oh. I mean, I think you really have to question that um, because life is stressful in general, right? Whether you have a six-figure job or you're you know, trying to living paycheck to paycheck, you know, I mean, that's stressful in its own right too, to starting a conference. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm not making any money off of this. And this passion project, way, way, way more stressful than uh, my six-figure job. So I was in this situation and I decided to, rather than leave, to try to figure out a different way to navigate it. And so I still work for the same employer and I negotiated a remote work arrangement Where so I could you? take my New York salary. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, you were living in New York before, right? Right. I was in New York City making a pretty reasonable salary. I got to six figures in the time, the eight years that I've been with this company. And at one point, they were giving me these huge boosts every year. It was like three years in a row of 20% jumps. And so I got to the point where I'm like, I, I'm making the six figures that I always wanted to make. I don't really need more money. What I actually need is more time and freedom. Mm. And so I asked them to let me work remotely, move to Cincinnati. And I also asked them for a two-month unpaid sabbatical to go to Spain and walk the Camino de Santiago, which is a 500-mile trek across Spain. Sure. So it took me 38 days to walk 500 miles. And that really changed my relationship with work. So rather than leaving, I think I just kind of had to reconfigure things to make it more tenable for me. Len, you're a guy who's about to leave uh, what I would presume is probably a six-figure job. Uh, (laughs) Did you ever think anywhere along the way that you would maybe make a move like Jessica did uh, earlier? Um, I considered it, but just with kids, it just just wasn't in the cards for me. But now it's, you know, now I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you what, it's still scary. It's still scary. I mean, to walk away from a job that, you don't have to leave and it pays well and you've got all the bennies and it's a little scary, but, uh, you know, there comes a point in your life where, I mean, when you're ready to go, you're ready to go. So, Uh, and I'm ready to do it. So we're going to, we're going to make a go of it. When Jessica talked about the fact that, oh gee, that her health was starting to suffer. I think to Diana's point, that's probably the first sign that either the job has to go or there's got to be some coping skills that need to change. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, ultimately you can only put your focus on the things that you want to put your focus on. Now at the beginning of the year, everybody's talking a little bit about getting their money in order. People are talking about getting their health in order. And and you see it. If you go to the gym right now, which is if you're a normal gym person, this is the month you don't go to the gym. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's like crazy. There's like everybody's there, like you're like, I'll just go. I'll, th- this is my month off. Everybody else takes <laughs> December off. I take January, you know. But uh, I don't know who said it or where I heard it, but things are either priorities or anti priorities. You know, you have so much time. Everybody has the same amount of time per week. You have to decide how you want to spend it. And I think part of this is, a little bit of the culture maybe that she was in as it relates to her specific career. And I know that she said she was in, I think, accounting or maybe like kind of one of the big fours or something like that. And that sort of environment is definitely a thousand percent all the time. You know, you're, you're poo-pooed if you try to take vacation, if you take more than a long weekend, you know, what's wrong with you, that sort of thing. And, and obviously that's a bigger issue than just something like, specific role. But I look at this as if you 
really want to focus on your health and you really want to focus on your career, there's no reason you can't do both of these at the same time. And now maybe the answer is focus on my career by not being in this specific role anymore and go, you know, freelance or whatever, like she talked about. It certainly took a, a set of, uh, of, um, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> you know, to, to walk away. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, uh, it really was, uh, well, and it's whatever. funny. Yeah. And it's funny, Diana, in this piece, it was her health that was starting to suffer. Have you seen, you're going to show Scott Rickens movie at the conference. You're going to show the movie playing with fire at the conference, but have you seen it yet? I have. Yeah. In that movie, you saw his kind of, their kind of last straw was thinking through their life and their expenses. Do you remember where you were when you decided that something needs to change for you? I think that it was, I was approaching the big three zero, right? 30 is one of those birthdays that are really reflective. And I was so career oriented in my twenties and I put so much pressure on myself to climb the ladder and get to that six-figure salary that I just realized that every other area of my life was neglected. I had no relationships. I, you know, until I started taking even money seriously, I didn't have a lot of savings. And I was prioritizing work over my health. I wasn't working out. I was drinking a ton. I was going out to relieve stress and um, and partying all the time, which is great when you're in your 20s, but you approach 30 and like your body, your liver is yelling at you <laughs> to stop, you know? So what else do I have going on in my life? There wasn't that much going on. Len's like, it's partying. It's great in your 50s, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's I was this? Say, two, two of the other people on this, uh, on this podcast don't remember being 30. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny though, but but she says a year with a zero at the end. And I know for me, Len, back to you, I don't know if it's the same as the two old guys on the show. <laughs> let's let's talk about this because 30, I remember, was a big year for me. But I missed all those signs that Diana hit. For me, the big just age was... through them. I did. I just... Were so hammered. I'm like, You're like, like my body's telling me something, but I'm not too sure what. Pass me another beer. <laughs> yeah, or a donut, one or the other. But but we got to... I got to 40, and that's when I sold my business. I mean... uh decided that I didn't, I didn't want to do this anymore. Went back to school to become a high school teacher and a track coach. So, uh, I mean, you want to do that. And then, and then, (laughs) and then then said, Hey, I've got a crazy idea. Let's start a brand new business from scratch. Yes. Yes. Podcasting. Yes. This great big moneymaker called podcasting. Let's do that. This huge revenue generator. What could possibly, you know what you bring up a good point, OG in that, you know what, if you're thinking about doing this, if you can give yourself two or three years to transition. If you can make the decision instead of a snap decision, if you can give yourself two or three or four years to transition out of that six figure job and build that other business or whatever you want to do on the side, that's the way to go. A lot less stressful since we're talking about stress than just cutting it off and then going for it. I'm going to give you the exact opposite of that. I I don't know. I think it like once you've decided something, I mean, and, I, I feel like this was probably a little, uh, a little like what I would, how I would make decisions, right? Like, Hey, I got to this point, I've decided I'm burning the boats. Like it's time to move on to the next thing and I will figure out a way to make it work. The problem with waiting for tomorrow is that too much other stuff is going to come up between now and the next two years or the next three years or the next five years. And all of a sudden, you know, 
you're talking about waking up at being 30, you're going to wake up and be 40 and then you're going to wake up and be 42 and there's going to be a new decade. You're going to be going, Oh crap, I should probably get my life together. (laughs) You know what though? I think it's the stakes too, right? I mean, I agree with you, OG, if you've got a job, you're making minimum wage or a little over minimum wage, $20 an hour or 25. Yeah. Go ahead and go for it. But I mean, when you're making a six figure salary, or if you're making a higher six-figure salary, you know, with the two in front of the number instead of one, you know, it's it's a lot harder to just throw Fair it all enough. away. But Especially if you don't, if you're in a position where the market is saturated already, and if you leave, there's no chance. There's no, you know, you might not get that job back. Yeah, but you could do something totally different, which is why I like having Diana here, Len. Which is Diana didn't give up the job at all she gave up the the going to the office every day going into the nine to five every day and instead creating this this what did your boss say diana when you suggested this well it was definitely a very unconventional ask i didn't have any examples of anyone having that request honored to go work remotely so you're saying there's no there's no culture where you work of this type of thing that you're doing No, I think that as a salesperson, I recognize the power of leverage and that I've made this company a lot of money and they didn't want to lose me. And I have a rare situation where my, I do believe that my employer cares about my well-being and sees how hard that I worked. I mean, I was with the company at, for five years, but at the time that I had asked this. And so knowing that, Hey, I don't want to leave, but I need to do something differently you know, I've got no man, no kids, no debt. And I'm like standing in cement. I want to go have an adventure. I wanted to go, I want to go try something else. Uh, they thought it was weird that I wanted the Midwest, but Hey, (laughs) you know, that's that's, that's what I, yeah. Where do you want to move to? You're like, Oh, I want to move to Cincinnati. They're (laughs) they're like, okay. So the first order of business is you need to go see a physician. (laughs) We've got an office in LA, you know, we've got an office in London. We've got an office in LA. I'm like, nah, I want to go to Cincinnati. Skyline um, Chili. Come get that's some. Right. Mm. That's right. That's right. Um, and then also with the um, with asking for a sabbatical, two months off of work unpaid. Again, very unconventional ask. I've never seen anyone ask for something like that before. And basically the way I positioned it was, hey, if I had a baby right now, I'd be taking three months of maternity leave. I don't want to birth a child. I want to birth a world adventure you know, and I'm going to come back better for it. And they were on board. But, and this is, this is funny, Len, because we know that a lot of people fight the other side of the argument. Like I would think take a month off, like back when I was in corporate life, take, let's go walk the way, right? Let's go walk across Spain. Are you kidding me? My boss will say no. So I'm not even going to ask. Like asking is half the, like, don't fight the other people's battle for them. 100%. (laughs) No, that's true. I look the corporate life. It's kind of hard to to get away with stuff like that. I mean, you, Diana, you're very fortunate to be able to do that. You know, if so, somebody asked that, you. if somebody asked either of those questions, Lem, where you worked, is that even a possibility where you work or not to work remotely or take a month off? Uh, yeah, it de- well, it depends on the project you're working on, right? So it, it depends where you're at. And there, there's certain projects that you have a delivery that has to be done in the next month or 60 days or 90 days, and nobody's going anywhere. I mean, it's all hands on deck. But then there's others tasks that you might have a lot more flexibility. And yes, they will allow you to do things like that. 
One thing I think about this OG back from my financial planning days is looking at this stuff through a different lens. I remember having this client who wanted a house on Lake Michigan uh, along the West coast of Michigan, where it's really beautiful. But as you know, very well, that property is really expensive and she didn't have enough money. So instead she's really a people person. She wanted to uh, still, and she needed to still make more money. I helped her hook up with some people who helped her buy a house on a hill across the street from Lake Michigan. And she turned it into this beautiful bed and breakfast and sure she's still working, but she absolutely loved it. Every day she woke up with Lake Michigan. She had cheaper property values because she was across the lake and she had an income stream still coming in kind of like Diana changed things for herself. Looking at this through a different lens might help somebody get what they want. You know, from a planning standpoint, so much of it is, the six inches between your ears, you know, like you said, you don't want to fight the other person's battle for you uh, or for them. The same thing is true from a planning standpoint. When you're battling the, how do I get out of debt? And that's the thing that's in your mind right now. You have to just be okay with everything being on the table, you know? Yeah. Maybe you're really super, super like Netflix, but dang it, you can cancel Netflix for a period of time. Or like they tweeted the other day, just use somebody else's account like we all do. <laughs> you know, that was That's what Netflix tweeted out. But the thing is, is like when you're looking or, or exploring, you know, these things that don't make you happy, whether it's work or your environment or relationships or whatever, it's almost like you just go, well, that'll never work. I could never do that. It's like, no, no, no. Make a list of the stuff that you want. Make a list of the stuff that you don't want. You know, especially here in the United States, we moved across country uh, six years ago now. Can you believe it's already been six years? But uh, but we moved across country six years ago, and we made a list of all of the stuff that we wanted in a new community, w- uh, weather, relationships, um, uh, the economy, like all that sort of stuff. And sure, there were places that fit all of it that were outside of our budget, and then there were places that didn't fit any of it that were in our budget. And we didn't get all 20 things on the list, but we got 15 of them, and we ended up where we ended up. But when it comes to whether stuff that Diana did or Jessica, yeah, the things that Jessica did with her role, you just got to say, well, here's the stuff that I want to stand for anymore. And here's the stuff that I don't want to stand for. And you'd be surprised at how much leverage you really have or how much opportunity there really is out there just to say, okay, here's what I want to do. And somebody's willing to say, okay, well, here, I can offer this for you. Len, your big takeaway from this piece? Well, don't be afraid to walk away from a big salary. But I'm going to say again, I am going to stress, if you can, give yourself some runway and don't be rash. Don't do an OG. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was was thinking at the same time. Well, I think of uh, PT, the founder of another great conference, FinCon. PT started off full-time accounting and slowly kind of phased out while his PT money site and FinCon phased in. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing something totally different, but it was exactly, Len, what you're talking about, kind of a piece yeah. at a time, made sure he, he he got his new stream of income together. OG, your takeaway? I admire the tear the Band-Aid off and, and kind of <laughs> do you. Burn you the know? ships. I, I mean, I, I really do. That's not right for everybody. You got to kind of know yourself a little bit on that. But I also would say... If you really took a step back and dissected each thing that's making you happy or not happy, whatever it is in your life, you can probably make some other changes without having to do the rip the bandaid off approach. And Diana's our guest. You've got the last word. 
Yeah, I think it's a worthy exercise to really question, is the job too stressful or are my coping mechanisms for stress not up to snuff? I think it's a really interesting question because if it's really your coping mechanisms, then let's say you go get another job that pays half as much and it's still just as stressful. Well, now you just walked away from you know, that larger income and didn't get much benefit from it. So yeah, I think it's, it's a worthy question. Well, usually at this point of the show, you'll hear from a great fintech company that we like, or maybe Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, or our friend from MetPro, Angelo Poli. But today, today we're super excited here in the basement because we're actually launching a course. I know, us, the people that don't teach you anything. For those few crazy people that actually want to learn something, we partner with my good friend, Belinda Rosenblum. And I'm not going to preview this hardly at all because you'll hear Belinda and I talk about why we did it. But let's say hello to her right now, coming down the stairs to the basement, Belinda Rosenblum. And on our way down to the basement. It's our good friend, Belinda Rosenblum. How are you? I'm awesome. It's so great to be here again. Well, I'm so happy that you and I have gotten to work together these last few months, working behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know about this. And by the way, it hasn't even been, we should tell people the real story. It hasn't even been the last few months. We started about this time last year. We took a massive break because of all the behind the scenes stuff that happened with our new producers at Stacking Benjamins. And then in September, you're like, when I knock back on your door, you're like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you didn't think I was coming back. there is only one and only you, Joe Salty. So you're you did, good. You're you did good. not think I was coming back, and here we are. But Belinda and I are very happy to announce that we have a new course. And let me start off. I'll start off by talking about this, Belinda, from my point of view, about why. So when I was working with a phenomenal woman named Kathleen Selmans, Kathleen made some courses of ours. And the goal was to, for the few people that actually want to learn something from Stacking Benjamins, those crazy people, that we would give them an outlet to do that. We made a first version of a course. I liked it. I didn't love it. And our goal, though, was to continue uh, have continuous improvement, right? And make the courses better and better. Well, for a variety of reasons, Kathleen left our company. It was all amicable. It was all fa- – I love Kathleen. But she was going a different direction. And it was outside of my capability to make another course. And frankly, I wanted to spend time on good audio, And the frustrating thing that I see out there in the community at large is this time of year, there are a lot of free courses. There are a lot of free things you can sign up for. Some of them aren't bad. Some of them are horrible. But that wasn't the type of brand that I wanted to have. I wanted to bring something to the table that I was really proud of. So I had two choices. I could either try to make another one and maybe the podcast would suffer our brand would suffer for a little while while I dug in and did it. Or I could find a partner where I knew the product was already play tested. It's been around forever. And so I got this crazy idea one day. I said, I wonder if my friend Belinda will allow us to partner with her because she's the most awesome person I know at this. And I was sure she'd say no. 
And she actually said yes. But this way, now we have a Stacking Benjamins course or partnership rather, really, uh, more than it just being our course with Belinda and her husband, Mark, and their team, where I can say with a lot of pride, this is going to be phenomenal. This is going to be a fantastic opportunity for a lot of you to not just make money easy, which is what the course is called, but to finally get that foundation under you that you've wanted for some time. That was why I reached out to Belinda. So Belinda, how drunk were you when you said yes, you'd partner with me? Oh gosh, that's a tricky question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was wondering if maybe you had been like, uh, been turned down by a few girls in high school or something, but no, I've, I've loved you from the beginning. Joe Uh, Joe and I go way back. (laughs) Yep. And I was actually on the Sacking Benjamins podcast a few years ago. There was so much interest after that episode for our Making One Easy program and people took it and they had great results. And we said, wait, there's really an amazing synergy that we can be creating here. So, um, and I have been through the ringer myself when it comes to money, kind of learned the hard way. And so I just felt like this is such an opportunity to be able to help so many people with something that they have so much stress and anxiety about when we've really figured out a way to make it easier. We'll link in our show notes, by the way, to your last appearance when you tell the longer version of your story. But for people that missed that, just very quickly, you were somebody at a very young age that was in an unenviable position. You had to take care of your family's money. Right. I was 21. I just graduated college. And then just a few months later, my father had a stroke. And so I became the family CFO way younger than I expected myself to be, not just for me, but for my dad, for our eight bank accounts, our two properties. Like there was just so much happening. And I was able to band-aid it together, but then pretty quickly got really overwhelmed. And so for those of you who have, you know, look at your life and you're like, oh my gosh, like I have a job and a house and a family and all these things that you're trying to make work. Um, And you're like, oh gosh, how is it all going to happen? Well, everything collapsed down on me basically. And I found myself at my dining room table with three huge stacks of bills and mail. And I had that moment of truth where it was either I owned my money and I did something different or it was just all going to come crashing down. And I was super successful at work, but I hadn't, I had what I call now finance fatigue. Like I, it was just the last thing I wanted to do was look at our own finance stuff. So, um, but in that moment I said, something has to change. And I worked out a new mindset around money and worked out a whole new money management system. And that is really the foundation of this making money easy program. That's so many people, by the way, that they'll make great decisions at work for somebody else, right? Very logical decisions, numbers-based decisions, analytical decisions, and then they go home and they get all emotional about their money or they do nothing because they're tired of it. Like, it's not just people doing what you did and do. I mean, it's not all about people that are accountants. People do that on a daily basis. And it really, you think of the two of them, what's more important, your work or the reason you get your paycheck? Right. And I don't think that people ever connect the two, right? They never really connect. Oh, wait, I'm actually working so that I have money to be able to have freedom and live my life. And I know for me, they were very compartmentalized. And so it was only when I realized, wait a second, I want to bring that level of success to who I am with money as well so that I can take care of my family. I can take care of myself. I can have more peace around money. Like I think that we we tolerate this 
this low or sometimes high level of stress and it just doesn't have to be that way. And that's why when we wanted to bring this to all of your listeners, I was like, yes, game on. I'm in. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. Let's, let's talk about this. As I mentioned before, this is not a new course. It's new to Stacking Benjamins Stackers, but it's not new. You actually created this in 2012 and you've iterated and iterated and cleaned and scrubbed. And this course is tried and true and tested. Absolutely. And so we've had hundreds of people, maybe even thousands at this point, go through the course since 2012. And at that point, we were at the forefront of people doing courses, if you can think back then. Yeah, (laughs) right. right. And it's like people didn't understand, oh, wait, I need to learn money. I mean, if you even take it back a little bit, like I've been in this business now for 13 years, right? And so it was like pre-recession. People thought it was crazy starting this business to help people around money. And then I was the one that was like right there when everything was collapsing down. Well, it's kind of like that now. It's like, we want you to get your money together now before who knows what's going to happen in the economy. Like now is your chance to use our system that has been around for years, that has had so many people find 500, you know, 200, $500,000 out of their life without, this isn't like the total like deprivation, pinching pennies diet approach to your money. This actually takes a different approach that says, wait a second, let's figure out what are the most important things that you need to be paying attention to. We understand how busy, how much you have going on in your life. And we also understand that having money for your future and for your present is actually important to you. So let's make that happen for you. And so we do it in four simple weekly lessons that people are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And this is a a process, a system that I can use too. Like we normally do uh, on FinTech Friday, which is usually what's here with FinTech founders. We ask them, so how does it work? So now now let's let's put, uh, put you through that same process. Uh, How does this work? People, first of all, they go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash easy to get to the course and to sign up. So stackybenjamins.com forward slash easy. In fact, if you're uh, commuting or you're walking the dog, just head to our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. And actually, even easier than that, if you just scroll down just a little bit at Stacky Benjamins, you'll see a guy lifting weights. He's He's the strong man in the circus. And he's making weightlifting easy, but it says making money easy. Click that link as well and you'll get there. But but you mentioned there's four four weekly lessons. Let's just walk briefly through those, Belinda. What are we going to do in week one? Sure. So week one is called find your money, right? And this is like starting at the beginning. Like most people actually don't even know where their money's going. It's like a big mystery. It's like they get to the end of the month and they're like, where did all my money go? And so we want to cure that for you. And so week one, we're going to just pull off the proverbial bandaid and we'll take a look at what's really happening. And I have a very straightforward, it's a quick spreadsheet. Spreadsheets are my love language. They are not everybody's. So we have made this super simple for you to be able to identify where your unconscious spending is. It's just a simple three-step process to be able to understand where your money is going. How do you change that unconscious spending that is costing you thousands of dollars every year and understand what the biggest pitfall is when people go to track their money. And we'll give you an easy template to use for this. Our goal at the end of week one is that you go from panic mode to a feeling of control because that's what you need first before you're able to really go on the attack in weeks two, three, four. Exactly. Awesome. So week two is about living within your means, enjoying your life and building your cushion savings. So I know that sounds like a lot that we're looking to do, but once you have your numbers, then I want to empower you to 
act and to actually like understand how can I be more strategic with the money that I have, right? So we're going to give you the different options that you have when your expenses exceed your income, or even if your income is exceeding your expenses, what do you do? Like, where is that extra cash? How do I really maximize and leverage the money that I'm bringing in? And a lot of people are almost lulled into thinking like, oh, I'm breaking even. That's the like check to check hamster wheel though that everybody feels, right? Or, oh, I have a little bit extra. I don't just want you to have a little bit extra. Like I want you to have as much as you want to have, but you need to know your numbers to be able to do that. And then you need to be more intentional about where your money is going and how are you really building that cushion savings so that when you do need it, you have it. So week one, you are going from panic mode to not really sure where things are to a sense of calm and I'm in control. Week two, you're really then, Belinda, what you're saying is you're changing your thinking. Because I like the lessons in in week two, and we won't get into them in depth here, but you really just have to change your mindset. And I think week two really is all about your mindset. It's about mindset, but then it's also about like specifically where do you look next? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, I yeah, think yeah. sometimes maybe people think, oh, well, I tried that. I tried to track my money once. Yeah. Right. And then they didn't really know what to do next. So it's like, okay, this is the next logical step. This gives you the options of how you can move forward and how can you stop the money leaks that are probably happening? Right. And how do you identify where they are so that then you can move on to week three? And week three is called Why a Plan Beats a Budget. And so, you know, I I think that budget is about as sexy as diet. Right. It's like it's not sustainable. It never really works. So I talk about the pitfalls of typical budgeting and I have what I call the anti-budget budget approach so that you get the benefits of the intentionality of a budget in what we call a plan. But at the same time, you know more accurately what you need to be focusing on instead of feeling like, oh gosh, if I can't track everything to the exact penny, then I'm screwed. It's like, no, actually, how do you understand what a return on investment is? How do you understand when it's good to use your credit card? How do you understand what percentage of your income you want to be saving? And answering some of these questions that people that have been holding back our viewers, our listeners, but they haven't realized it. Like they've just done a little bit of step one and then stopped. And so I really want to help you keep moving through that this process. So that's why three is all about creating a plan and creating a plan that you can actually stick to because you know specifically just like the three to five things that we want you focusing on. And, and I love the fact that they're specific. Like it's a lot of handholding, even though you can do these at your own pace, you'll be able to go back, correct? People will be able to mm-hmm. go back and- uh, Yeah, they and, keep access to this. Y- yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that you can dig in and um, internalize everything. It's still, there's there's a lot of handholding through this. I mean, this is the great thing about having a course that's been around for so long is that you know where people have struggled in the past. You know how to mm-hmm. show them exactly where the pain points are and how to push through those. Absolutely. And so we have to support you in that. And then we'll get to week four in just a second. Um, to support you in that, we have a Facebook group where I'm in, our coaches are in. So we're answering your questions there. We have a live Q&A direct with me. So everybody will have that as well. So we're really doing what we can to support completion. This isn't something that I want to just be another shelf help where you're going to be like, oh, this is something Joe and Blitter are doing. I'm sure it's good. It's like, no, I don't just want it to sit on your shelf. I want it to be something that you execute on. And you're like, I finally did something different with my money. And that actually gets us to step four or lesson four, which is all about creating systems that work all year long. Because a lot of people say to me, well, you know, what do I do to keep this up? So it's not just something I do once and then 
I never look at again. It's like, okay, I teach you what can you be automating? What can you be doing in your money dates? People may have heard that term before in terms of having a regular time that you look at it. People are like, okay, I set my money date. What the heck am I supposed to be doing? Well, I give you a sheet that's like a checklist that tells you exactly. So it's like I've thought through what are going to be the next steps for you to be successful now and then stay successful moving forward. How are people going to feel when they finish week four? Tell me some things that people, some skills people will have at the end of the four weeks that they didn't have going in. Joy. <laughs> like sometimes by the time they get to the end, they're just like, oh my gosh, this is way easier than I've been making it. Right. Cause we, we often make things really hard or it's like the unknown just feels really hard. Yeah. And so by the end, when you're like, looking at your bank account and you're like, Belinda, I actually have an extra $500 than I had at this time a month ago, right? Because by the end of week four, that's a whole month. So you've had a month learning from me, taking action with me. And you're looking at this and you're like, wow, this is is a heck of a lot easier than I thought that it was going to be because you have a system to follow. You're not just trying to like take a tip here and a tip here and piece them together and figure out how they relate to you. The other thing is that if you have a partner, like if you're in a relationship, can I talk about that really quick? Yeah, let's do that because for a lot of people, they're going to want to possibly add this on. Awesome. So um, Mark and I, my husband and business partner, have have been through a lot around money. We each have very different backgrounds. When we would sit down at the table in the beginning, it felt like it wasn't just two people sitting down. It was like six people sitting down because we had the influences from our parents. Oh, yeah. And then both of our parents were divorced. Then we had step parents there at the table with us. I mean, it was like it was noisy, right? And then we had exes, like there's a lot happening. And so what we want to do is we want to help you in our relationship to be able to find a new common ground to have a conversation with your partner. Because the reality is that money is one of the top causes of arguments in relationships, and it doesn't have to be that way. And for you to be successful, we want you to be in partnership with your partner so that, or husband, wife, whatever it is, so that you two are on the same page and able to move forward. If you need to start just by you doing it, then yes, do that. Like I don't want people waiting until they can get their partner on board. What I will tell you though, is that we give a lot of tips so that if you do the upgrade to take making money easier for couples, we will give you specific strategies to bring your partner into that conversation in a way that you likely have not been able to before. And we even give you like conversation starters so that you can have some of those more difficult conversations with your partner and really shift the whole topic of money so that you can have compassion, connection, intimacy in your relationship and be able to to move forward in a whole new way together. And a lot of people, I think, just do this together, right? I mean, I mean, they will, couples will do this together as a couple. Absolutely. And we've set it up actually. So it's almost like a buy one, get one free. Like if you want to do it and you want to do it with your partner, yeah. then once you sign up, you just send us an email and then we'll include them on all of the weekly emails, on the Q&A calls so yeah. that they are literally in partnership doing it with you. The other thing that we have, which I'm just realizing we need to add here, is um, that we have an app now. So the system that has our program has an app for it as well. So you can have all of the lessons on your phone so that if you want to listen to it while commuting, you know, whatever it is, we've set it up for you. And we have workbooks and templates and transcripts and yeah, all and, the things to support your success. Y- y- you, you hit people different ways. There's, there's video, audio. I mean, it's, it's, it's multimedia. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. It's mostly audios with a workbook and transcripts because we find that people learn differently. And then my Q&A is all video and then I pop up into the Facebook group. So we really want to support you where you are. All right. So we are only leaving this open because you want to be available to make sure that if people have any issues, they have questions, that everybody's kind of, even though you get to do it on your own, your own time, you don't got to wait around for Belinda or me. We still have it week by week by week. So it's opening just for a week. So it opens today. It's going to close next Friday at midnight. Uh, we'll be sending, if you're on the Stacker email, you get a, you'll get a couple of reminders, but don't wait for that. It is uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash easy. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash easy. And that will get you to the course. And what Gertrude and I talked about is also because of the fact that we've got a push today for people, for people, and by the way, this is not a reason to sign up. Sign up because of the fact that you want to do better with your money. But today on launch day, if you sign up, we've got some of mom's cookies, which if you're in our basement Facebook group, you know, are awesome. And swag, we're going to have a drawing out of the people that sign up today. And we're going to give away three of those packages, cookies, and do not sign up to get cookies and swag. Please don't. But as a thank you, <laughs> but for because being, you're already going to sign up, yes. today is a great day to do it. As a that. thank you for being early. And frankly, you should thank yourself for being early because if, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh God, I got to do something, do it now. Don't put it off. But anyway, if you do that today, Gertrude and I will, will uh, put you in the drawing and maybe mom will send you some cookies. How about that? That's awesome. Thank you for, for bringing that. Thank you to Gertrude. And we have included in there the template so that you can get started. You don't have to wait until the whole course starts in a week after we close enrollment. So that's also a bonus so that if you want a little bit more time to do some track and do some catching up, now's the time. Yeah. We also have lots of details at that link too, by the way, stackybedjamins.com forward slash easy. Belinda, thanks so much for partnering with us. This can be great. I'm super excited for all of your listeners to really be able to give them a way to continue their learning, right? To be able to take it to that next level so that they can actually have that $200,000, $500,000 in their bank account because they found their money and now they're doing better things with it. As so long as let's make lear- money easy together. As long as they're learning from you and not us. Our reputation is, is kept, so we're good. Okay, great. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm your favorite Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And with Diana here today, I think we need some fire-based trivia, don't you? How about this one? Turns out Benjamin Franklin could have been called an early member of the fire movement. How old was Franklin when he was rich enough to hang up his printer's apron and become a gentleman of leisure? You know, kind of like Len Penzo. Len Penzo's not quite a gentleman of leisure, <laughs> but I bet you got that clock on the wall, don't you, Len? Counting down the days? It's counting down. Yes, it is. I'm excited. Yes. So, Diana, we explained the rules to this convoluted game backstage. We have had one week of this so far, and let us give you the score. Even though Len Penzo wasn't here last week, 
Scott Materer played on his behalf and got the question exactly right. So yes, no pressure, Diana, to get this Oof. one exactly right. And by the way, Scott, Scott, for those people that didn't hear last Friday's show, Scott began his answer with, I'm just going to say something random. And he randomly picked the exact right number. <laughs> so Diana, no pressure at all. So you're playing on behalf of Paula Pant. And I apologize in advance, Paula. <laughs> and so, so for people who have listened to this show, Diana, they know there's no need apologizing because who knows <laughs> most of these. All right. So uh, you get to decide first because you and OG are tied at zero for the year so far. Would you like to guess first in the middle or last? Definitely last. All right. And OG, you want to guess in the middle or first? He, Number two. He, I was going to say, this is an audio podcast. Don't show me two fingers. <laughs> he, he holds up two fingers. Yeah, there's there's a different two fingers. That's weird. And then, uh, Len, that means that you're on the hot seat. What year what, <laughs> what year did Ben Franklin become a gentleman? What year did he fire, Len? What year did what? Not what year. How old was did he? Did he fire me? I'm how, not that old. How, he did not fire me. <laughs> How old was he when he fired, when he reached financial independence, retire early? Oh gosh. So you mean when he retired from, what do you have, poor Richard's Almanac or whatever? Yep. Is that what you're... From being a printer. Mm-hmm. How old was he when he had enough money uh, that he didn't have to work anymore? My goodness. Well, let me say this. I know he did. He had so many side hustles and or, or side hobbies. Yeah. I don't know. I would say he got very wealthy from his poor Richards thing he did. So I would say he definitely retired pretty early. I'm going to say 43. 43 for Len. OG? I don't know how old Ben Franklin was when he died. So I think this is a trick question. I think Doug's trying to trick us because I'm with Len. I think that he had so much other stuff going on that he didn't need to do the printing stuff anymore. But I do recall he started printing very early, like he was nine or 11 or something like that when he started his printing career apprenticeship. But I'm going to go a little bit younger. I feel like this number is like 36. 36. So, Diana, that gives you a lot of room to roam there. What are you thinking about our old buddy Ben? I definitely feel like it's young. And like, if Mr. Money Mustache can do it by 30, why wouldn't Benjamin Franklin be able to do it by 30, right? I'm guessing 30. 30 years old. Wow. Because of, because that's what Mr. Money Mustache did it. <laughs> Is that your reasoning? That's good rationale, right? That, that, hey, that, that, I, nothing wrong with that. I mean, listen to Lennon OG. Who the hell knows? Well, we would tell you what the answer is, but of course, um, we uh, have to make you wait a second. So hold on and we'll get right back to it. Well, the holidays are over. It's a brand new year. And if you're thinking about all that credit card mess that you made over the holidays and the bills that are coming, like Jaws, you know, it's going to happen any day. Then I think it's time for me to share an idea that will ease your mind. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. Roll multiple credit card payments into just one payment at a lower fixed rate, much lower than the national average interest rate, which 
as you know, is over 20% APR plus absolutely no fees. There's no application fee, no origination fee, no transaction fee, no prepayment penalty. When you do this, do the consolidation loan, lower the interest rate through the floor, then you got to figure out how to get rid of the credit card because the problem is not the credit card and the interest rate. The problem is you. And until you solve the problem of you, you can do consolidation loan after consolidation loan, but make this light stream consolidation your last one at a super low rate and fix the problem. They'll take care of this part and make it easy so you can deal with the hard part. The application is so quick and easy. In fact, you can do it right over your phone. So as you're listening and you're thinking about it, let's get this done. Lightstream believes that people get credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Just for stackers, you can apply now to get a special interest rate discount. That's pretty cool because you know us you're going to get a better interest rate than the one advertised. The only way to get it, though, is to go to lightstream.com slash SB. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash SB. Subject credit approval, of course. Rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash SB for more information. All right, Diana has the youngest age at 30. How are you feeling about that one? Feeling pretty strong. All right, NOG, 36. Nailed it. <laughs> Len, 40, 43. Can you, can you go over the top a little bit, Len? Well, let's look at this way. I've got everything from, what, 39 or 40 to, to 100 years old, right? So to I'm infinity, feeling, even. Infinity, even beyond that. I, I am feeling fantastic. I'm going to be two and zero this year. I, I can almost maybe like a side bet. I bet. I'm I uh, remember I started out pretty hot too. <laughs> quickly last, throughout the 2019 season. Last year you did. They kind of caught you midsummer. Yeah, and I never won another one. <laughs> All right, Doug. Uh, what's our answer here? Hey there, trivia nerds. While Ben Franklin is a great guy and all, just found out that he took something called an air bath when he laid around completely naked and got the pores opened up, if you know what I mean. That sounds fantastic. So right after today's trivia, I'm headed to the backyard to do that myself. But before I take my shirt off, let's keep you focused on today's trivia because God knows once that shirt comes off, you won't be able to think about anything else. Happens all the time. So anyway, how old was Ben Franklin when he, to use the term some uber nerds use for early retirement, fired? The answer? Well, by 1748, Franklin was largely working because he wanted to, not because he had to, like me. Besides, doing air baths, he uh, traveled extensively and helped birth this new nation. While you probably know all that, you're asking, how old was he, Doug? Just get, a, get on with it and tell me. Well, Ben Franklin fired at the ripe old age of 42. Okay, last one with clothes on's a rotten egg. Missed it by that. I'm glad we're not. We didn't change. You've changed the. I know. This is bullcrap. I would have lost by one. I would have won. <laughs> Turns out you should keep two separate tallies. The real way to do it, in which I would have won today, 
and then this newfangled <laughs> BS, in which I wouldn't have won no, today. No, this is justice. This is justice. <laughs> Turns out, Diana, Mr. Money Mustache, got it done a lot earlier than old Ben did. Well, now I know. <laughs> there, 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 there it is. Well, that's good. I mean, you said you went to Camp Mustache, right? That's right. Yes. So, I mean, if Ben Franklin took him that long, I think uh, Mr. Money We're Mustache. We're making progress Absol- in this great nation that he helped found. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, let's take on the magnifying glass, guys, and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, Diana, you know what you find? Tell me. You find that those financial products you use every day from a brick and or brick and order, a brick and order bank. You ever heard one of those, OG? Brick and order bank. Brick and mortar bank are nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of the products available online all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. It was fun catching up with Brian, by the way, from Magnify Money last week, uh, helping people mm-hmm. with the debt cleanse. But instead of a call this week, Richie from our team was, was reading a Reddit forum. And the Reddit forum is is called uh, Am I the Apple? Is, is the name of the forum. And, and here was the question, which is a great financial question. My mother-in-law has offered to provide childcare for my son, her grandson, for one year from approximately five months of age until 17 months. The stipulation is that my wife and I provide her with an apartment in which she'll live for those 12 months. I've offered our home up to her, but she refused and stated she'd like an apartment in order to have her own space. We live in a fairly particular part of Pennsylvania where the winters can be fairly severe and the summers equally so. I just don't see the necessity of paying our mortgage and a monthly rent on someone else's apartment. When adding up the cost of the apartment, the probable utility payments, and whatever outing she decides to take my son on, it seems very likely this arrangement would either be close to or more expensive than the cost of a legitimate and licensed childcare business of which we have several reputable options nearby. My wife and I disagree on the matter. Uh Uh-oh. She wants to provide her mother with the apartment. I'd like to again offer up our home before most likely ending up saying thanks, but no thanks. Am I the asshole? Diana, what do you think? Well, first of all, I want to say that am I the asshole is like one of my favorite subreddits. If you sort by controversial, you're going to read about some real assholes. It's hilarious. (laughs) There are some people that are pretty, pretty bad. But in the big scheme of things, is this guy bad? Um, well... I was left with a couple of questions and it was hard for me to not read the 2000 comments on this post, but I think it's totally reasonable that she wants her own space. I was reading through some additional information in some of the comments. She has her own house. That's like a few hours away. So the idea is that if she's going to take care of the kids, she's leaving this house that it sounds like might be paid off. So it's not like she's going to pay to move there to then take care of this kid for free. So it just did seem like it was kind of a reasonable ask to have her own space. I think based on what his comment about the cost of a legitimate and licensed childcare business seems to say that he thinks that like a daycare center would be uh, the superior option to grandma. Till his which, kid gets rotavirus. Yeah. And hand, which, foot, and mouth disease and every other god awful thing that comes out of daycares. No offense to those who right. have kids in daycare, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh, totally. And 
I mean, I guess I don't know the relationship that he has with his mother-in-law, but it, it just sounds like that he thinks daycare or you know childcare from her is only worth it if it was cheaper, which I think you can't really put a value on having a family member close by for emergencies and flexibility and the fact that it's her grandchild and the relationship that they'll build. So I think he's being a little bit of an asshole if he's just thinking about cost specifically and not some of those intangible benefits. But I also think there are ways around this. Like, could they help her rent out her house and use that rental income to pay for the apartment? It doesn't sound, it sounds like there's a creative solution here. Not, you know, just if I don't get the apartment that you pay for, then I'm out. Like there's, there's probably another way to go about it. Do you think he'd do that, Len? Or some, a little bit of, of how this reads kind of like, sounds like he just doesn't want his mother-in-law. Well, that's that a, close to one. I think, I think Diana has a great solution that I, I what I was going to say was, you know what he should do is he should just tell the mother-in-law to move in with the wife and then he can get his own, he can get the apartment. <laughs> and he can live in the apartment. Everybody wins. I like that one. <laughs> that's my answer. Yeah. OG. Yeah. All right. This is pretty insightful. I think what Diana had here as somebody who, previously mentioned, traveled across the country or moved across the country. One of the things that we had on our list was unlimited grandparent access both directions. And what we meant by that was if my wife, she was concerned that, you know, when we lived in Michigan, we were probably about two hours away from her folks and her sister and stuff. And she said, hey, if I want to go home, I just want to be able to do it. And so we had this unwritten rule of Anytime you want to go, you get to go. There were not, there's not budgetary constraints. There's not timing constraints. If you just want to go tomorrow, go get the nearest airline ticket and off you go. And the same thing was true about parents coming to our place. And the byproduct of that, what I found out after the fact, was that that meant that they would stay for <laughs> like three-ish plus weeks at a time, several times throughout the year, which basically turns our house into like an Airbnb without any income coming out of it. Now, by the other end of the the spectrum, of course, I really do enjoy my in-laws being around and I know that my kids do as well. And as we all know, of course, time is not something that's indefinite. So the opportunity to have your kid raised by somebody who, I guess, I don't know, ostensibly probably shares a similar belief system as it relates to child raising and so on and so forth, or at least I assume that that she would, plus uh, the accessibility of grandma and grandpa. I would be looking at this from the person. It took us probably several trips of my in-laws coming before we were like, what the hell are we still doing here while they're here? Mm. Like, <laughs> we should they, be out here, here to see us. They're here to see our kids. There's like a hotel down the street that has really good breakfast in the morning. We're going to go do that. And, you can uh, just get rid of the we'll middleman. Yeah, we'll see y'all later. So I think that he's looking at this the wrong way. There's an opportunity that he's, I mean, Len's got a good idea too. Go get your own own apartment. But but, uh, but did you guys read this the way that I read it a little bit that he's trying to make a... Um, oh, he's totally snarky. Yeah. He, he, like he's, the, he's, licensed and, well, the licensed and guaranteed daycare, you know, or whatever. I don't, said. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. He's trying to make, I feel like he's trying to make a financial argument out of something that yeah. really is more of an emotional thing. He's going to learn very quickly that the right answer to this is yes, dear. <laughs> very, very. So he's That's fighting it. The right answer. He's fighting it, and and he's going to lose this battle, and it's going to be spectacular and losing. Or he could win it by just going, yeah, whatever you think, dear, and just 
suck it up and go make some extra money and go buy his mother-in-law an apartment and off you go. Because I think you're right, Diana. There's so many creative ways to make this happen and everybody wins. Yeah. And I think the way he's positioning it is like, how dare she ask me to pay for an apartment? But think of it for her perspective. She's offering to watch your kid and she doesn't want to take on additional housing costs to do that. So I think I think it's a reasonable ask that has a creative solution. Yeah. What he has yet to find out is that he's paying for her housing anyway at some point in time in his lifetime. He just hasn't got to that point yet. He's, he's, he's got to wait and see the future. Uh, thanks to Richie, our producer, for finding this. If you got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Be interesting if somebody had their own version of this that they wanted to just bring to us. Because we'll always side with you. Like if this was one of Stacky Benjamin's listener, we, we <laughs> that's would, not true at all. That, that is we totally true. throw people over <laughs> over over the boat rails. Well, you're going to get lots of people calling in that way. OG, nice job. The free T-shirts. That's why they. That's that, why they, yeah. <laughs> that's going to need a lot of T-shirts. Uh, thanks to everybody for hanging out. Let's let our guest of honor go last. Uh, OG, what do you got going on this weekend? Speaking of in-laws in town, my my mother is in town. I think we talked about this a week ago that yes. our trip that we had scheduled is uh, this week. We were going to do the uh, big cookout thing. Weren't able to make that. Mom wasn't able to kind of keep up with the kids anymore. So instead, she came and visit. That's uh, nice. Visited a couple of days ago. Cool. And uh, with my new flying abilities, uh, she has a sister and my aunt and uncle live down in Houston. So last time she was here, we had to drive to Houston. It was freaking five hours. Not anymore. Now we just jump in the airplane and uh, we zip down there in like an hour and five minutes. And Now OG, and, uh, now OG flies to Houston and boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> but uh kind of fun looking forward to that this week uh or weekend i guess mom's never flown with me before and i'm pretty sure she's gonna get air sick so oh boy be fun that's fantastic i'll put her in the back in the luggage compartment <laughs> perfect Len, what's happening at lempenzo.com it's uh nine ways to lower your cable bill or your internet cable internet bundle and all that stuff some tricks for lowering that bill. I know ah. a lot of people pay a lot of money for that stuff. So ah, you run the you run the yes, line your for neighbor's Wi-Fi password. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Of, that's one of them. Don't give it all away. Oh, <laughs> your neighbor's like, "What are you doing next to my house with that cable in your hand?" <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I've also got a webcam uh, in my bedroom as well, so uh, you can see my latest dominatrix uh, <laughs> oh, happenings. Boy. The, the world get more people. The world that's dominatrix. Probably than the, that's probably the more interesting than the nine best ways to lower your cable bill. <laughs> it's like the Instagram person that made all the money for the uh, fires. No, no. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> no, Len. The world domination summit and the world dominatrix summit. Two different things. All right. Well, yeah. darn. S- sorry. Okay. Yes. Not that that doesn't exist. <laughs> I just don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I, I, don't I really think, thought you went, Joe. I, I, I got excited there. I, 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 I did not go to that one. No. Diana, thanks for hanging out with us, but you got to be thinking by now, what the hell am I doing here? No, this was so much fun. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Well, tell every, now we haven't talked yet about the speakers that you have, but I love the lineup of people you have talking. Tell us about a few of these personalities that we'll see in Cincinnati here shortly. 
Absolutely. So, of course, we've got Jillian John Shred from Montana Money Adventures, and she's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited to have her. You know, she talks a lot about intentional living and money mindset stuff. So it's it's perfect content for us. Um, we've also got Julian Saunders from Rich and Regular, which I'm super excited about because that man has some swagger. You know, like <laughs> when I first reached out to him and we were talking about collaborating on this, and it was like, man, I you do, you belong on a stage. Like he just has such a presence about him. So I'm super excited about that. And actually, I read a speech this week from one of our speakers. It's uh, Rose Lunsbury. Oh She's yeah, actually. Uh, pretty local here to Cincinnati. She's about an hour away, but she did a number of TED Talks on minimalism that were pretty great. And she's written kind of translated concept to, of minimalism to the concept of how much is enough and talks about money matters in that way. So I'm super excited to have her on board and her speech is phenomenal. But there's one more from our own podcast network, Yes. Doc G is going to be. Doc G. Yes. I, he, his speech is amazing. When I first reached out to him, it was more about promotion of the event. And he said, "You, by the way, you know I'm a speaker, right? And I said, really? Send me some stuff. And he sent me this speech that he did at a medical conference, and I was crying. Yeah. I mean, he was so good. He's, he's, he's such an amazing dude. That's fantastic. And the website is again, economyconference.com. That's E C O N O M E like a kind of me with an E, not a Y. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Diana. We got to do this more often. Absolutely. Anytime. This was super fun. Um, by the way, if you're walking the dog or you are uh, on your commute, we've got you covered. We've got all the links to not only the Economy Conference, but to uh, Len's website, uh, probably not to OG's airplane ride, but you can hear and probably also not the... I'm giving di- airplane rides pro- in town or not in town. I don't or, care. or not the World Dominatrix fly. Summit. Probably not going to have that one either, Len. Sorry. But we'll, we'll give have, rides to and from that as well. We'll have all those links on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Diana Merriam. Until you ask your boss for what you want, how do you know if you'll get it? Don't make other people's decisions for them. You ask and let them reply. You might be surprised. And what's the worst that can happen? They say no? That's where you are right now. Uh, Hey, Joe, we got something to talk about later, by the way. Uh, Second, free childcare? What's the definition of free? But the big lesson? Don't pull on Joe's mom's Ben Franklin wig. Who knew that's just her new hairstyle? I had no idea. How's I supposed to know? Seriously, don't don't blame me. No, Ma, seriously, Ma, it looks great. Really, I, I was kidding around. You'd fit right in if we ever want to have a Continental Congress again. I didn't. No, I didn't say that. That was Joe. Thanks to Diana Merriam for joining us. Want details on Diana's Economy Conference coming up on March 7th, 2020? We'll have a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com or go to economyconference.com. Thanks also to Belinda Rosenblum for helping us talk about making money easy today. Looking for a way to jumpstart your financial picture in 2020? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash easy for details. The course is open for the next week. Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com and ThePersistentItch.com. 
This show is created by Joe Saul Seahai, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Wait! Where are you going? I was going to make espresso. All right, so I have a little article here that I thought was kind of interesting. I uh, got it from the alumni magazine that we got in the mail. It's, it's it's called the first blue book test, and I know you guys, Diana, you know what I mean by blue books, right? Like you know those when you're in college and you've got a just a blank lined paper book, right? Like here's the uh, right, yeah. yeah, right. So at Michigan, we call them the blue book test. Anyway, this is written by uh, Darcel Brown, and she said the first couple of months of my English class. U of M were fairly relaxed and stress-free, indulged in many great books, discussing the meaning of words and finding hidden passages in text. My professor had a reputation on campus as being the very eccentric and extremely hard when it came to grading. Preparation for our first exam, he gave us an outline and hinted that the exam would include fill-in-the-blank and essay questions. Went to the library every day to study, got up early, blah, 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 blah. Got, you know, day of the test, approached the lecture hall, panic set in, became lightheaded, so this is the first first English exam in college. You know, we all may remember that. As I enter, briefly stop by the teaching assistant, pick up my blue book, so the book that you're going to write your answer in, and proceed down the long aisle, take my seat. Professor entered, and silence filled the room. Watched everyone. Uh, everyone watched as he pulled out the exam sheet, passed it out face down, of course, right, because it's a time thing. And um, uh, says, my heart skipped a beat as questions raced through my mind. Did I study enough? Did I even read the right books? I was getting carried away with self-doubt. Professor asked the class to continue to keep the face, exam face down until all the exams have been distributed. Told everybody to write his or her social on the back, turn it over, and begin. And when I turned over the exam, I saw three black words written in the stark white page. What is courage? That's the exam. Looked at myself, thought to myself, this is it. This is the whole exam. Looked around the room. Everybody looked puzzled. Professor spoke up to answer your questions. Yes, this is the exam. It accounts for 50% of your grade. So get to work. <laughs> Wow. Sat there in my hard chair and collected my thoughts. Then I took a pen and wrote, this is courage. I shut my blue book, packed up my book bag, slowly walked to the professor and handed him my exam. He huffed, 
noting that I had finished fast and telling me to place the exam in the corner of his desk as I walked out the auditorium. I thought to myself, what in the world did I just do? Did I completely lose my mind? Should I go back to my dorm room and Wait a minute. make a phone call to my parents? Wait a minute. Hold on. I, yeah. <laughs> all that this person wrote was this is courage, period, and turned it in. That's right. That's an A plus in my book, man. <laughs> that I, if I was the prefer- that would be an A plus. It's <laughs> courage. Needless to say, I had many sleepless nights until our exams were returned a week later via cardboard box outside the professor's office. All of us remember this, right? Like it's just lying. Yes. You, gotta, you know, you reach for mine. My hands are shaking. I open it to the first page where I found a note that took guts, kid. A plus. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was awesome. That was great. So anybody have memories from their formative university years that that rivals this. I mean, well, I show this to my kids and it's funny because, you know, personalities, I could see myself doing this, right? Like going, eh, you know, whatever, what will be, will be. Oh, not me. We well, yeah, one of my kids was like, oh, I could never do that. I the other one that. was like, hell yeah, you can know, you know which one's which. Yes, I do know which one's which. <laughs> yes. One of them's like, yeah, and then I'm going to do a keg stand. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the other I one's a, like, I'm going to go home and study more. I had a science teacher in college. So he always gave really cool tests, multiple choice, true, false, uh, you know, design, you know, draw, you know, free form writing. But he always said a true, false on any true, false test. The first answer has to be true. Otherwise, the person who's giving the test doesn't know how to give a test. And that's on all of his tests. The first true, false answer was it was a gimme. It was always true. So I don't know if that's true in real life. That's just something that he always adhered to. <laughs> that's what he said just to see if you were paying attention and just shook yeah. his head when half the class was like, he's like, I gave you one. That's that. It's not as good as the courage story, OG, but that's all I got. I took a game theory, economics game theory class after I was out of college because I'm a loser and I go back to college when I'm done with college because I'm like, that that course looks interesting. And the only reason I took it was because, uh, well, I wanted to learn the topic, but more specifically, it said it didn't require any math prerequisites. Like obviously economics is math, but it didn't have any math prereqs. And so uh, we're doing the class and, you know, it's fine. And about class number two or three, the professor's like, do you guys want me to show you how to do this really easy? Let's just do it the calculus way. And he like does it and everybody goes, ah, that's way easier. I'm going to do that. And I went, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Nope. 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 And so it was basically universal. The rest of the class said, we're good learning the calculus method. And OG's here going, I learned calculus 12 years ago. So let's do it. The like, can I do it on my HP calculator? Like, how do I do that? And we get to the end of the, you know, and I understood the information and I get to the end of the class and it's the same thing. It's like three questions, all blue book, answer it, but use, you know, use what you've learned. And so I turned it in, got the grade back and went to the professor afterward. And I said, listen, I, I, I just took this just to take it. You know, obviously you can see that I've already graduated, but, but I got to say, this is BS. Like it specifically says that this is how you were going to teach it. And then you taught it this way. He goes, well, it's a lot easier. I go, yeah, for somebody who deals with it every day. And there was a time when I knew all this and I said, but I just, I can't do it the way I can't solve it the way that you taught because I don't remember any of that. And I try to go back to all of my calculus notes and all this stuff. I called engineering buddies. I'm like, okay, explain it to me. You know, and they're like, yeah, no, you can't explain calculus. You have to either know it or don't. So he asked me a question. He's like, well, tell me how you'd solve this. And he gave me a question just kind of verbally. And I walked him through like how I thought about it. He goes, 
Yeah, okay, you get it. I'll change your grade to an A. Really? Yep. And I had like a C minus on the exam because like I couldn't, I just wrote what I thought the answer was, but without like showing your work. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. I guess also he's like, well, the hell with it. It doesn't matter for a degree or anything. Like, he patted you on the head and gave you an A. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> cool story. I'll go back to your like employment there, young man. Get out of my game theory class. I went to both school and college where if you got caught cheating, you were kicked out. So, I mean, at the Citadel, a cadet does not... That's pretty uniform, isn't it? A cadet does not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. So in college, that's you're kicked out of the school. At a Catholic high school, it was the same thing. You got kicked out. And there was a kid my junior year who got kicked out of school, made it all, all the way through the Spanish test with the answers on his hand. <laughs> All the way through the, the test, finished it up. And you know how you turn the test in and, and then you start talking about the test? The guy was so eager to let everybody know that he knew the answer that the third or fourth question, the teacher's like, okay, what's the answer to this one? And he raised his hand to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> Just complete <laughs> moron. Uh, I've got a corollary to that one too, but maybe another time. Another time or now or Diana, you got one. Well, so we're talking about courage and what struck me while you were reading that is sometimes I think like in retrospect, it feels like maybe you had courage in those moments, but in reality you were just young and you didn't know any better. (laughs) So you you didn't um, have learning yet. Yeah. So my senior year of college, I got a full-time job at a licensing agency, which is still the the line of work that I'm in today. Um, But it was the first agency that I worked for. I walked in there. I I didn't even like send them my resume or anything. It was around the block from my house. And I just walked in there with, with a suit on, holding a resume and asked to talk to someone. And they were so surprised that I would do that that they immediately like let me interview with this woman. Wow. And so I said, I don't even know what licensing is, but I'm a marketing major and I've been selling water purification units in New York City, <laughs> knocking on doors in New York City. So I feel like if I could do that, then I could probably do this. And she we just like hit it off, right? So she liked me and she goes, you know, our president is taking a trip to China tomorrow. So why don't you come back for a second interview when she's back in town? And I said, well, if you make me wait a week or two, I'm going to have another job by that time. Wow. And and it sounds so like courageous and bold to say that. Right. But in my mind, you got to remember up until that point, the concept of a second interview, I've never heard, you know, like I've worked in restaurants. I was a lifeguard. You get hired on the spot in those instances. You don't interview twice. So I just figured if you're going to make me wait two weeks, I'm going to go get another job in the meantime. And, uh, and it totally worked. They got me in to talk with the president and they hired me on the spot. I started like two days later. That's so cool. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members 
and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 